Welcome to the Physics Central Podcast. I'm Calla Cofield. For those of us in the United States and Canada, it's been a rather brutal week weather-wise with heavy snows and extremely low temperatures. During this rare bout, I took a moment to marvel at just how much weather-related information we have access to. Between smartphones and 24-hour news cycles and entire channels dedicated to the weather, it is always there for us. But of course, it hasn't always been like that. Looking back, it's interesting to see that physics not only plays a role in the science behind weather forecasting, but in the distribution, in bringing weather forecasts to the general public. That's what we'll talk about today on the Physics Central podcast. You know that old saying, red sky in the morning, shepherds take warning, red sky at night, shepherds delight? That rhyme, or some form of it, is believed to be more than 2,000 years old. The reason that rhyme has lasted so long is because it's actually rather accurate. We know now that high-pressure systems are responsible for the red skies, and because air tends to circulate from west to east in the mid-latitudes of the Earth, the presence of a high-pressure system, either at sunset or at sunrise, can also indicate the presence of a low-pressure system, which often causes storms. So maybe it's not as good as having a weather app on your smartphone, but people did what they could. The beginning of what we would consider the modern study of the weather really starts to take place during the Renaissance in Europe. Scientists in Europe and not long after in the Americas took up a very scientific approach to the weather. They started documenting and recording very specific weather data like wind speed and humidity. And they took this data from many different locations and compiled it into these massive weather maps. Now, this scientific approach was partly made possible because of the advances that society had made. There were safer travel conditions, more communication between cities, better record-keeping techniques, and better instruments. In 1598, Galileo invented the first thermometer. In the 1640s, his student Torricelli invented the first barometer. A barometer, of course, measures atmospheric pressure, and around this time, people had discovered that low-pressure systems are a strong indicator of storms ahead. Physics tells us that nature tends to want equilibrium, so when there's an area of very low air pressure, air from a high-pressure area will come rushing in to even things out. And that rush of air can cause wind, but it can also push hot air upward where it cools rapidly, creating condensation and moisture and potentially clouds. So this is the kind of information that people were starting to discover as they started to keep these very good weather records. But there are limits to what these people can learn and certainly limits to what they can forecast primarily because of how fast they're getting their information. It can take days or weeks or months or even years to gather weather information from a large geographic area. So what scientists really needed to move forward with their study of the weather was a way to quickly send information across long distances. And that opportunity arrived with the invention of the telegraph. 
The telegraph was introduced to the mass market around 1836. It transmitted simple electric signals via a cable. Morse code allowed those signals to be turned into an alphabet by which information could be sent over long distances immediately. By 1870, it was possible to send a message all the way around the world via telegraph. Every major city in the Western world was connected. By making it possible to share information rapidly across long distances, the telegraph laid the foundation for modern weather forecasting. So at this point, scientists in Europe and the United States had been keeping detailed records of the weather for hundreds of years. And once these people started to get daily information about the weather, something sort of started to click. And this technique called synoptic weather forecasting emerged. When scientists look at these weather maps of large areas like the entire U.S., and they keep track of all these variables like temperature and air pressure and humidity, they start to see these large-scale patterns, things like storm systems and cold fronts. That's what synoptic weather forecasting is. And it allows scientists to start making forecasts on a daily basis. Synoptic weather forecasting remains a fundamental part of modern weather forecasting. If, like me, you happen to be traveling this past week, you understand how important weather forecasts can be. If you're going to travel during a snowstorm, you run the risk of spending long hours in an airport or being stranded in an unfamiliar city. But of course, these are small compared to the truly large risks presented by bad weather, people's lives. In 1853, just after the telegraph was introduced, and just as synoptic forecasting is coming into its own, the Crimean War begins. In November of 1854, a storm over the Black Sea sinks a French warship and damages other vessels. Now, an investigation into this incident shows that a low-pressure system was detected in that area basically meaning that the storm could have been anticipated and tragedy could have been avoided. So this really drives home the impact that up-to-date weather forecasts could have on the world. And by the 1860s, the Netherlands, Great Britain, France, and the United States have all established national storm warning systems. The U.S.'s was by far the largest, both in terms of cost and regional coverage. So weather forecasting comes into its own, and there's this fast and reliable way to collect and distribute information. But it's not quite enough, because telegraph lines can't broadcast information to a large and general audience. And people in the weather industry know that this is a major issue. They need to be able to get up-to-date weather information out to the general public. So as the 19th century starts to wind down, scientists are developing radio technology. And this was obviously the tool that was going to bring weather forecasting to the masses. 
On Christmas Eve of 1906, one of the key developers of radio technology, a guy named Reginald Fezenden, conducted what is believed to be the first radio broadcast done purely for entertainment purposes. It included both live and recorded music and a reading from the Bible. People hundreds of miles away heard the broadcast loud and clear, and it signified that radio was ready for the mass market. But prior to that, in 1900, Fezenden went to work for the National Weather Bureau. The Bureau was willing to pay for all of his R&D because that's how much they wanted to make radio a technology that could be used to broadcast weather information to more people. And by 1914, 100 years ago, the Weather Bureau, along with the University of North Dakota, started making the first daily weather broadcasts for farmers. The chief items of tonight's news are weather will be mainly fair, but there will be local coastal fog and drizzle in the west and north. It will continue rather warm in all districts. Outlook for Saturday, similar. That was a weather forecast from the 1930s. As you can hear, it is fairly similar to modern weather forecasts, maybe a bit less detailed. Of course, television would soon compete with radio as the primary means of delivering weather reports to the public. In 1982, the Weather Channel was launched. Thanks to smartphones and the internet, having up-to-date weather information at your fingertips is always a possibility. Now, the 20th century also saw the introduction of numerical weather forecasting. This is a technique that attempts not only to track the weather, but to actually model the air and the water so that scientists can anticipate how those things will behave. And this approach uses areas of physics like chaos theory and fluid dynamics and thermodynamics, just to name a few. This technique has far surpassed synoptic weather forecasting in terms of what it can tell scientists about the weather and about the overall behavior of the systems that govern the weather. It's because of this technique that forecasters are able to see things like the Arctic chill that dropped in on the U.S. last week, bringing temperatures down to as low as 60 below zero. Now, of course, forecasting the weather doesn't stop it. It just gives us the opportunity to prepare. And that can mean the difference between an extra day spent at the airport or even people's lives. And for that reason, this is arguably one of the most prominent and visible ways in which physics has changed our lives for the better. That's all for the Physics Central podcast. I'm Cala Cofield. As always, you can find more podcasts, our Physics Buzz blog, resources, and so much more at physicscentral.com. Tune in next week for more of the Physics Central podcast. Thank you.